Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Hey, this is Trent Cotney, CEO of Cotney Attorneys and Consultants, and we are very happy to be with you for another episode of Law and Mortar. We've got a special guest who has been a uh, previous co-host, but Lee, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, hello everyone. My name is Lee Lipniscus. I'm an associate consultant at Cotney Attorneys and Consultants, formerly a contractor world. So Lee, we had a incredibly busy week. And as we wind down here, um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was yesterday, we had a huge turnout for our uh, webinar that we did on expert level tips for contract negotiations. And I I'm assuming a lot of the people turned out because they were having issues with material shortages and material price increases, but you moderated that and you had an opportunity to kind of interact and see things, you know, what was your takeaways from that? Yeah. So I'd say, you know, my big takeaways uh, were, you know, there was so much content within that hour that we talked about. And I think, you know, uh, my, my biggest takeaway was probably how we can help customers with their contract negotiations. And uh, I mean, obviously, you know, my new favorite word is subterfuge, right? So I, I'd say um, helping customers figure out that those negotiations between contracts with either them or their distributors or suppliers, I think that's my biggest takeaway for sure is, is uh, giving those tips and tricks on how to do that. Yeah, you know, and it was really interesting. We didn't get a chance to answer everybody's questions, but even after the fact, you know, I was having questions roll in and, you know, just understanding that just because your customer or the person that you're negotiating with says, nah, you can't change anything. That's not the end of the story, you know, and yeah. um, we talked about a lot of really great tactics where you can um, uh, use the course of conduct between the parties out on the job site, or you can engage in advocacy through change orders to kind of help you get off center and get you to where you gotta gotta go. So overall, I thought it was it was really good, well attended, and uh, I'd love to do something like that in the future. And thank you for moderating that. You know, any any it's, yeah. it's a tall tall order to keep uh, John and I in line, but uh, you did a great job. So <laughs> thank you. I I feel like it just kind of came to fruition the fact that. Uh, if you're not an attorney, you should get one because I I learned a lot yesterday just in the fact that I shouldn't be negotiating contracts on my own. You know, when you talked about looking for the words that are capitalized, that means that there's a definition and things like that where, you know, I've, I've negotiated contracts for the past eight and a half years for the company I used to work for. And I think I did a pretty good job on my own, but as of yesterday, I'm thinking, wow, there are definitely things that I missed and thank God nothing bad happened or else I'd have to go to you and say, hey, Trent, I kind of messed up here. Can you help me fix it? So I think my, you know, an aha moment for me is, um, you know, have an attorney look at your contracts because you guys are going to know better than I would on what it is and what it entails. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's the kind of thing where it, it's it's what you don't know that hurts you. And what we really try to do is, is again, it's a light touch. We're not looking to necessarily reinvent the wheel, but, you know, just having us take a quick look at your stuff and make sure it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's sometimes it could be worth its weight in gold. And then obviously, you know, we offer subscription plans where it's a set price every single month to do that. Um, but Lee, you know, 
the down here in Florida, uh, I know you're heading this way, but uh, it's starting to get hot. I mean, really hot. And we I always joke around in Tampa, we have two seasons. We've got the it's hot or it's raining, and that's about it. <laughs> so we are currently Something to look forward to. Yeah, we are currently in the hot season um, with rain to come. Uh, so one of the things that, that really worried me last year around this time was we always, you know, once summer really gets um, heated up, no pun intended, uh, I started getting phone calls from contractors that have had crew members uh, go hospitalized or God forbid, we even had some fatalities as a result of heat injury or illness and um, making sure that, that you're keeping your crew safe that you're really, you know, taking care of hydration and giving water breaks, all those types of things. I can't harp on it enough because it is, it, it will absolutely get to you. And, you know, obviously we all think of summer and that's what I want to focus on here, but it goes year round, you know, a lot, you'd be surprised how many, um, you know, hydration related illnesses and, and injuries we've had as a result of even wintertime work, because you just don't think about it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, back in the, in the contracting world, you know, what was your experience with that? And what would be some recommendations you would have for our listeners? Sure. I think, you know, it gets hot here too. I think people, when they think of Colorado, they think of winter, but in the summertime, it's like a desert. I mean, we will, in the summer, we will have 90 days of over 90 degrees. So it gets really hot out here. And, and for us, not only you have the heat, but you have that sun exposure too, which is because we're at a higher elevation that is sometimes even worse than the heat because you get sunburn real quickly and then you can get sunstroke. So we are, you know, we talk about heat stroke, heat exhaustion a lot here. And, um, you know, we always tell our guys to stay hydrated. Don't just drink water, drink something with electrolytes, like uh, um, the sugar-free Gatorade, something like that. If you guys have um, canopies, you know, put a canopy out in the front yard or um, the driveway for the workers to stand under, you know, if you're, if you're feeling hot, if you're feeling faint, get off the roof, don't get back up there, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things um, that that we do, or I guess we used to do in the contracting world is, you know, drive around with a cooler full of ice and have those um, cooling cloths with water on them. So we would just give the guys those cooling cloths and trade them out. So you put it on the back of your neck, so you're not so hot in that sun and take breaks. I mean, I know that a lot of, a lot of contractors want to get that work done because the faster they do it, the more money they get paid, but you still got to take those breaks and, and get off the roof, find some shade and, and just relax for a little bit. Don't overwork yourself, you know? Yeah, those are all really good points. And it's something, you know, this kind of dovetails into our, our next topic, which is, you know, keeping your own crew safe is is obviously a full time job. But what I've seen over the last few years, and I'm sure you experienced the same thing is, you know, with the lack of skilled labor, we're having to employ more and more subcontractor crews just to get work done. Yeah. And um, there are so many different issues that come with using subcontractor crews. They're not necessarily a bad thing. You just have to know how to properly manage them. So you know, what would be some, some, I guess, issues or concerns or things that, that you saw and, and how did you deal with it uh, back in the, as a contractor? Yeah. I mean, I dealt with contractors on a subcontractors on a daily basis, um, you know, more so on the, the risk management side, uh, as well as, you know, paying them 
every week, but I'd say, you know, the biggest thing on managing your subcontractors is, I guess one of the biggest things is, is the risk management piece, right? Making sure that they have the proper insurance. Do they have um, the proper general liability limits that will match yours or come close, depending on what kind of, you know, how big of your company you have. And then that workers comp is, is huge, making sure that they're within the policy limits, making sure that you're double checking throughout the year, not just, oh, you have insurance, great, work for me for the next two years, double check it, you know, do a, do a monthly check because you just, you never know. I've had situations where um, there's been an incident that happens where a worker gets hurt and somehow, some way that morning, the roofing contractor's insurance canceled. And so that liability went on to the general contractor, which was us at the time. So those are things you got to, you know, keep up on and, and pay attention to. And not only, you know, be respectful. They are, subcontractors are an extension of the contractor. So whether they're on site, you know, make sure that they are cleaning up their job sites and, and showing well for your customers. Are they treating your customers with respect? You know, it's, they, they are part of your team and your, I mean, technically a contractor is a subcontractor's client right? You're paying them for a service. You are their client. So make sure that you keep that relationship strong and respectful between two, you know, those are just some, I mean, I could probably talk for two hours about subcontractor management, but those are kind of the big things. I, I find communication, respect, and that insurance is big. So did you say you could talk for two hours about, maybe that's the next webinar we need to do. Right? <laughs> I mean, realistically, it might be longer, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I care a lot about those guys just knowing, you know, knowing how hard they work and they're out in that sun all day, every day. Um, and they deserve a lot of respect. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I was actually uh, scheduled to speak on some of the legal part of subcontractors here in a couple of weeks. Um, big issue. It's something that, that uh, we constantly get questions on. So um, I don't see that changing. You know, I, I see lack of skilled labor to continue to be one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue that's facing the industry right now. So one of the things that's interestingly about our headquarters here in Tampa is um, we always have a lot going on. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, 50 plus people that are here. We've got a training center here. But one of the great things about it is we have sort of an open door policy. So a lot of times we get great guests that stop by. And this week, we were really blessed and fortunate to have John Chan of Durable Slate stop by. For those of you that don't know, uh, Durable Slate is, uh, I think at one point I called them the, the Ferrari of roofing because all they do is, is really high-end, you know, slate or copper work. It's all very complex. Uh, it's all a work of art. And, and uh, I, told, I told John, he was probably embarrassed when he was here, but I was like, look, I'm a fanboy. <laughs> I, I, I watch him on Facebook and I, I really appreciate his workmanship. So we a had a legend. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm jealous that you got to meet him. I've never been able yeah. to meet him. We got a chance to really talk to him and, um, you know, walk him around, show him some of the history that we've got here at the uh, training center. And it was, it was just a real good opportunity to catch up with him again. So, you know, Lee, one of the things that, you know, both John Kenny and I are very passionate about are the craftsmanship of roofing, you know, and it's not to say necessarily that, you know, you can't have craftsmanship with a shingle roof or a TPO roof. You can always do good workmanship and you can always have straight lines. But 
there's something to be said for the aesthetic appearance of a real sharp copper roof or a slate roof or you know, even shakes or, or even some tile roofs, you know, there's a lot of different roof systems out there where you look at them and you're like, wow. Um, and uh, I've just got a real true appreciation for that because um, I, I see the art in it, the artistry in it. And I think a lot of that's kind of dying because, you know, we've turned into sort of a commodity-based roofing type industry here in the States. But, you know, did you see any stuff like that out in Denver? And I guess, what's your thoughts on it? Yes, I, I have. You know, I I feel like a lot of people have fallen into the roofing industry and then they stay in the roofing industry. And, and I knew um, exactly when that switch was for me that I knew I was gonna stay in the roofing industry is when I drive down the road and I don't even look at the house, I look at the roof now. And, you, and I can appreciate good workmanship and good craftsmanship. And in Colorado, you know, we have several neighborhoods um, close to downtown that have these amazing, beautiful wood shake roofs. And they're, they're a wood shake roof that is not straight, it's curved. You know, there's a lot of, there's a, um, there's a lot of curvature to it. It looks wavy. I mean, it's very cottage-like and I love roofing art. I think it's amazing. You know, you can, you said it right. You know, you can, a shingle roof can be beautiful. I have seen a lot of, you know, beautiful uh, shingled roofs. More so, I think, because of the architecture and the different pitches and facets and things like that. But craftsmanship is important with any roof. However, the art of it is just amazing sometimes. And that tile, when you can put designs in it, or I've seen roofs that have like dragons on the top of them made out of that slate with the different colors and things like that. I think they're beautiful. And, and it is, um, I don't want to lose that art because you're right. You know, I think a lot of what we do in the States is now our stigma is very insurance and hail um, specific. And I don't want our industry to lose that, that art aspect, the beauty of it and why it's so necessary. So it's interesting that you mentioned hail because we have gotten to the point in the conversation Lee, where <laughs> I have to ask a question and our questions are starting to pile yes. up because I can only ask one uh, every time, but okay. today's question is, um, from James and James's question is, uh, he is thinking about getting into the insurance industry mm -hmm. and um, wants to know what sort of the do's and don'ts are. Um, so it's sort of a broad question. Obviously I've got some legal yeah. thoughts. I know you worked that sector for a little bit. So why don't you kind of yeah. share your, your knowledge on it? Yeah, I would say, you know, um, to keep it kind of short and sweet, I, I would say my top do's, I'll do two do's and two don'ts. How about that? So my top do, I would say, is um, communicate with your client. I think that communication um, about your process uh, and about how you work with insurance companies is really important. Um, and, you know, uh, your customer, I think sometimes roofing contractors forget, you know, they work with insurance companies on a daily basis, but your customer might not. This might be their first experience dealing with a claim. So you should take your expertise and talk to your client about it. So, you know, communicate, communicate, communicate is probably my top do. My second do is do be respectful with insurance adjusters. I think coming from that side of the business, I'm a little bit um, more protective 
And I hate hearing about the fighting between insurance carriers and contractors. And I would love to, you know, have that be my mission to, to change that aspect of our industry. But I think that both contractors and sometimes insurance carriers forget about the customer. They get too in their heads about just this estimate and they make it personal. So I would say be respectful with the insurance company and work together because you have that mutual client. Um, I would say, you know, my, my biggest don't is don't tell the client that there is a problem with their roof when there really isn't um, just to try and get them to, you know, buy a roof from you. Make sure that if you say that there's a problem with the roof, be able to suggest a viable solution, you know, be honest with what's, what's damaged up there. Um, and then, you know, like we talked about earlier, don't forget about quality workmanship because, um, you know, craftsmanship is very important. And when it comes to making your clients happy, installing a sustainable roofing system and potentially creating more business for yourself is really important. And you need to keep that craftsmanship. You don't want your roofs leaking um, when the storm comes next. So I'd say those are probably my top do's and don'ts. I that's, could do more, but we'll we'll just hang with those for now. Yeah, that's really good advice. You know, legally there there's so many different things that you got to watch out for. You know, every state has different laws, but um, where I see a lot of contractors getting into trouble is where they cross that line from being a roofing contractor into being a public adjuster. And most states have some kind of statute that says you can't do that, which means yeah. you can only advocate so far with an insurer before you get yourself in trouble. So you need to understand where that line is and do your best both contractually to not cross it and in actual practice, okay? Because keep in mind that, you know, we can put all kinds of great things in your contract, but if you do something that's different out there in the field, then it may ultimately end up changing what those terms are. So yeah, that's Absolutely. great advice. Lee. That's a big one. That's great yeah. advice too. Yep. So thank you, James, for that question. Uh, we're going to end it there. And I'd like to uh, obviously thank our, our audience for attending. Stay tuned next week for another episode of Law & Mortar. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at tcotney at cotneycl.com. Lee, how can they get you? Uh, you can email me at lliptniscus at cotneyconsulting.com. Great. Well, thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.